Amen. Well, hey church, we're doing something a little bit different today for our online, for our worship gathering today. Typically at about this juncture in the worship gathering, uh, we would preach the word and we would teach the word here in this moment. Um, But really as a leadership team and as our elders thought through about this week, we felt like that it would be really important to to stop and to pause in light of everything that's going on and to have a conversation uh, together. You know, we're not only in a pandemic, there's not only a health crisis that's going on and a mental health crisis and a financial crisis that we're going through, but we're also in a racial crisis as a society and as a culture. And so uh, we're going to enter into that uh, conversation uh, today and and just have really an open, honest, real uh, conversation uh, together. And so I'm actually going to invite um, a few of our uh, people to come and to join me today for this conversation. Uh, Pastor Chris is going to be with me as a part of this. And then we also have a couple of our uh, covenant members, uh, Dana Smithers, as well as Shannon Pushaver. And so we are um, super excited that they would come and to have this conversation um, with us. And so, hey, the purpose of this panel and the purpose of this discussion uh, today really is to create a corporate space where we can um, enter in together into lament and pain. Um, you know, we're, we're a multi-ethnic church. Um, we, we're pursuing uh, what we believe God has for us right here in this city, which is a multi-ethnic church, which means we need to create a space for one another where we can lament together, where we can share together, where we can um, share our pain and then also share and empathize and create proximity, um, especially in moments um, like this. And so this is why we are doing this and we want to just come together and hear from one another um, as we navigate um, this hard uh, conversation. So, hey, thanks for joining us. And I'm actually gonna go ahead and we're gonna start this uh, together uh, today. And so, hey, Pastor Chris and Shannon and Dana, thank you so much for uh, joining uh, me uh, for this moment as we enter into this. I know that, um, you know, it's kind of hard right now to have a smile um, on your face, you know, whenever we uh, face uh, the circumstances that we are facing right now in our culture. And so um, thank you all for taking some time to be a part of this conversation. And I've already told them this, but um, I've told them to be real and to be honest and to be raw uh, you know, as, as we've, we've talked and we've prepared and we fortunately have good relationships together even prior to this, but we, I've encouraged them to be raw and to be honest, you know, about your own ex, uh, experience and your own uh, perspective. So let me, let me start us off this way. Um, I just want to read something as we, as we begin to kind of uh, start this conversation. So I think it's safe to say uh, that by now we're all fatigued by um, the hashtags that are enumerating the murders of unarmed black men and black women at the hands of police in America. And typically, uh, the aftermath follows an outcry of the black community at large, but then there seems to be silence by much of the white community, uh, sadly including majority white uh, churches. But there's something different about um, this moment. There's something different about the murder of George Floyd that has really ignited a fire throughout the world um, that is, I don't think, showing uh, any signs of burning out anytime soon. And so this time it seems like the whole world is collectively responding um, with force and, and passion and relentless demand for justice. And people are speaking out um, this time who have been silent in the past. So let me just open this up to us to begin us for, for any of you that want to start us off. Um, why do you think this incident specifically has sparked a fire um, that won't easily be snuffed out right now? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I can... Uh, s- 
spark us off here. Um, you know, um, th this has definitely been one of those unique times. I believe there's been a culmination of things that, that we've watched happen, um, starting back with uh, Ahmaud Arbery, um, whose case actually had been taking place about two months before most of the world even began to, to even learn about it, um, which is unfortunately, um, I feel like the same old song for many of us that are in the African-American community. We're, 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 we are well aware a lot of time of what's going on with our people and the injustice that they face all the time, but most of the time people don't see it. And, and Ahmaud Arbery was a clear example of that. I think, you know, again, two months it went by. Right. Um, before it even got started to get a little bit of national press at the time, and then, um, then you know, in between there were there were many other incidents that that took place uh, that you know very closely. Um, uh, then George Flood, you know, Floyd, um, when when he was murdered, uh, that was just in our face. It was raw. Um, I don't know how you can watch another human being be murdered you know, and filmed, and it not move you. Um, and, I, and I just feel like, um, I think people are really feeling like, you know, this enough is enough. I, I, to be honest, a lot of times when these things happen, I, I just remember um, when Trayvon Martin was, was um, you know, when he was murdered and then we saw uh, George Zimmerman be acquitted. But I just remember even when it, when it first started happening, I remember as an African-American man walking into predominantly white settings, um, you know, just realizing that a lot of people just didn't, they didn't even know anything about it. In fact, I know, you know, right. we, we were working together at that time. Right. And I just remembered just, just feeling like, do you, does anybody even know? Is anybody even seeing this? Does anybody even like, are we the only ones that really care about what's happening? And, and that's what sparked the conversation between me and you. And I just, I think, um, you know, th this won't be easily snuffed out because I think anybody that, that, that sees a human being, right. you know, that someone made, especially Christians, and made in the image of God, life being taken away like this, we're supposed to be breathing life into people. And when we see life being taken away, it just, it does something that's very unsettling. I think just to, to add to what Chris said, I think part of it too is that when people, when you've seen this, you either watch, see the picture or watch the video. And then I think then to, to have like a day go by, another day go by, and we're sitting there thinking, did, did people not just watch a murder take place and then nothing has happened? And so I think for your question too about, you know, why maybe this incident, I think because not having that immediate correction of what happened, I think is what fueled a lot of where maybe this might have, this movement, I think, started. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, it seems like with every new hashtag, it becomes inevitably more clear that there is a problem and that there is an issue. Shannon, I don't know what you would say. I mean, I don't know. You've been on this journey for uh, at least a few years now, but um, I don't know what, what's, what's unique about kind of this moment, maybe to the prior several years even. I would, you know, agree a lot with Chris's sentiment. I think that people have finally reached a point um, where they're paying attention 
more often and are just finally ready to stand up and say enough is enough. This cannot continue to go on. Um, you know, whether they've been paying attention to people who have been speaking out for a while and then they see something happen in real time like it, what, um, with what happened with George Floyd, I just really think that it sparked something inside of them considering that everything had happened with Ahmaud Arbery and um, how it took us using our voices um, and raising those in order for there to be even an arrest to be yeah. right. to, to occur. Right. Um, and so I think that that just, there's just a lot of momentum that's happened at one time. And yeah. I think that that's what's different about what's happening now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dana, question for you. Um, it's been said that when George Floyd cried out um, for his mom in his final moments, um, every black mother in America heard him and it broke their hearts. Can you speak to how you were impacted to um, that video of seeing him as a black mother yourself? So I think um, for me, and I'll just be honest um, with you that I actually um, didn't even watch the full video. Um, just seeing the picture for me personally, that image, I myself, I didn't need to watch the life being taken out of this man. Um, and so my immediate reaction, um, actually in this case, was to retreat. My, my immediate reaction was to think about what, what does this do for my children, from my husband, from my brother, and my dad. And so this may sound like a, a weird thought, but I actually was thankful for COVID for a slight second because I know where my husband is. He's at home. I know that my brother in Atlanta is at home. I know where my people are because I just, so, so that, and my mind starts shifting to what, what do we need to do? Because as a mother, you want to be able to, you know, we all want to, to fix things, right? We want to be able to um, change it and make that correction. And to think that when he's crying, his mom had passed away. I mean, he knew that this was, this was not going to end well. And to think that he is crying out and no, no one, I'm thinking, I can't even process that if that was my loved one on the screen. So I just, so, so I guess I think we all as mothers can relate to that, that immediate wanting to fix and wanting to help. But I think the difference for me as a black mother is that now I, my mind is spinning as to what do I need to do? Because if this is not, um, if there's not a conviction here, then what does that mean for my family? Right, right. Um, for the people that aren't familiar with your family, Dana, um, how many children, what are their names, what are their ages? Yes, so um, I have Jackson, who is a sixth grader, and he is um, 12. Jameson is in the fourth grade, and he is 10. And Miss Georgia is almost seven, and she's in first grade. So I've got three children. Well, Dale and I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, just wanted, I just wanted us to hear names, you know, 
names of children, names of people that have a unique and hard reality um, that they have to face that all of us don't. And so I wanted us to, to be able to hear names and ages so that we can uh, even empathize uh, better. Hey, Pastor Chris, um, as a black man and as a pastor who has been um, oftentimes not only a minority in culture, but even a minority in white spaces um, often, um, you've been championing the multi multi-ethnic church for a number of years now. You've been challenging the status quo. Are you hopeful um, by the response this time, by what you're seeing from your white Christian brothers and sisters, by evangelicals who have historically, I would say, not been very receptive or eager to hear what you've had to say or to ex experience what you've had to experience over the past few years? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I, I would definitely say I'm, I'm extremely hopeful. Um, I, I, the boldness that I've seen um, from um, a lot of my white brothers and sisters um, and some of my Latino and Asian brothers and sisters as well that have stepped up and just said, this, this needs to stop. You know, um, them, you know, affirming the, the injustice that they, that they saw in this, uh, them affirming, um, you know, our our struggle, but also affirming our value um, um, that we add. Um, I, I've been hearing that a lot. Um, and I know, I know some people might say, you know, you know, yeah, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't, they, shouldn't they be that way? Shouldn't they already have said some of these things? Yes. But, um, you know, even when we look scripturally, um, we look at Peter, who had, uh, right. in Acts chapter 10, who had an amazing moment in understanding his partiality um, and spent time with people that did not look like him um, in their home, he still later struggled with what he thought other people thought about him in Galatians chapter 2. Um, and Paul had to rebuke him and said, hey, you're out of step with the gospel. So the reality of a, a, this is a man as an apostle, a man that walked with Jesus, a man that spent time with Jesus. If he struggled with the fear of man, you know, um, and what people would think, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. And um, to, so to see people overcome that fear um, with faith and, uh, and boldness and, uh, and actually just trying to be about the gospel, that's been something I've really been encouraged in seeing. I, you know, I've been, um, yeah. they're not just black people protesting and marching. Yeah. Um, there are people that are, are saying we're tired of police brutality too. We see this brutality here. We see we see acts of supremacy that don't line up with God's word, and we're not afraid to talk about it. So right. that's been really encouraging to, to see. Yeah. Yes. Can I, can I just, can we park there a little bit more <laughs> and take this a little bit to the next step? And y'all pick up on this if you want. But there's, there's, I'm assuming people, based on my experience in this space, I'm assuming there are people that perhaps might be engaging in this right now and be like, I can't believe they would give up the word of God and the preaching of the word of God to have this conversation about social justice or whatever. Can we just not get back to the gospel? You've probably heard that a thousand times, but what's, is this, is this, is this a social, social justice issue? Is this a gospel issue? Why, the, why should we be doing this? Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting when people say, you know, just, just preach the gospel and let everything else figure itself out. Um, that's not even what Jesus did. Right. You know, um, <laughs> you know, Jesus didn't just preach. You know, um, his, his preaching had an impact. It, it caused him, it moved him to action. 
you know. And, I mean, even when we think about our salvation, when we think about, you know, how we came to faith, Jesus just didn't come down and say a few things. He, he died. Right. You know, he, he gave his life. He, he, he gave himself up, you know, for us. And in him giving himself up, he gave us some things. He, he repaired the, the, the broken relationship that sin had caused. So, you know, I, you know, we don't, I know we don't talk about, probably talk about justice and righteousness, but that's a huge part of the gospel. Right. Um, you know, because the gospel is simply, you know, it is the, it is the message um, that, that we use. It's the tool that we use. Um, uh, but that, that message is to help a world that's been broken, right? Yeah. Right. A world that's been broken by sin. And, and it's, not just, it's not just our, our brokenness um, where we don't know who we are. It's right. our, our brokenness between God. It's right. our brokenness between each other. Yeah. It's our physical brokenness with this world. You right. know, and Jesus is coming. He came to restore all those things. You know, we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. You know, he, he said the prayer we pray yeah. is my kingdom come. Yeah. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done yeah. on earth. Right. So the on earth part, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that, that's the gospel. You, you can't yeah. have a gospel if there's no justice right. in it. So I just, I just think that's, that's, that's totally irrelevant. And let me, just, let me just say right now to anyone who might be participating in this and watching and participating in this conversation, maybe you're not even a part of the faith, a church community. Maybe your aunt sent you this, a link for you to watch, and you pulled it up and you're watching it right now. Regardless if you're in our faith community or not, this is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God, through Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection, is reconciling the world to himself and reconciling the world to itself. That's good. So the gospel demands, I feel like I've said this a hundred, a thousand times. Say it again. The gospel, say it again. The gospel demands vertical reconciliation with God and horizontal reconciliation with man. So for me to bypass horizontal reconciliation or to act like I've got some kind of luxury to skip it or to skip over it, I'm, I'm actually doing an injustice to the gospel by not even participating in this moment. Better preach. Yeah, okay, so that's my, that's my sermon. That's my sermon for today. Um, uh, Shannon, um, you know, some of our black brothers and sisters are on, understandably fatigued by the onus that is continually placed on their shoulders to educate us as, as white folk, um, white brothers and sisters, about their experience, about black people, about injustice about the terminology, about systemic racism, so on and so forth. How would you challenge uh, the white community um, to share responsibility for reconciliation in the pursuit of justice? Um, I think it's about intentionality in multiple different areas. Intentional about showing up so that you can learn about um, what is going on because we don't, we don't have the lived experience of a person of color. Um, and so that we have to be able to enter into reading books and listening to podcasts and things like that that help us kind of understand some of these concepts because I'll be honest, when I first started, I thought it had a lot to do with just individual acts. I didn't understand the broad systemic part of it. And, you know, it takes some time and some effort and energy to enter into that space and, and do that work. Um, you know, we need to be intentional in how we take up space, you know, with our friends right now, they're tired, um, they're weary, we don't, we need to be checking on them and being like, how are you doing? 
but not expecting, you know, they might not reply back right now, and that's okay. Right. You know, like Dana had said, she's just, you know, retreated and, and, and needing that space. We can pray for them. We can love on them. Um, and being intentional and, and, and figuring out what's, what can we do with our boys? How can we leverage what it is that we have to start to create change? I mean, when we talk about the gospel, like Jesus you know, he laid down his privilege. It talks about that in Philippians sure. 2. And, um, you know, to count others better than ourselves. There's a lot of work that we can do here, and we need to be intentional in, in entering the, entering into those spaces and into this work. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And let me just, you know, we're even using terminology here that may even be, like, new to some people, privilege or, or whatever the words are, white fragility, some of this systemics, some of this might come up. And I'll just say, um, uh, first seek to um, understand rather than be understood and, and, and do, the, do the hard work of, of learning and, and, and reading and um, doing, doing the work yourself. And, and I'll, I'll just, um, Pastor Chris, are you against white people just for the record? Are, no. Are you against white people? No. Do, you, do, no. Either, do either of you hate white people? No. Okay, so um, just so you know, church, like we love you, okay? And we love you, and we're inviting you into a process of learning and growing, and we're here for you, okay? We're not saying this because we like, nobody, nobody hates white people, okay? The white guilt is another one. Like maybe a few hundred people right now might be feeling guilty just because we're having this conversation because you're, you're, you're white. And that doesn't have to be the case, all right? And it's not helpful. Yeah, absolutely. It's just not, you know? I mean, we need to be able to enter into this and realize that this is sanctifying work. And, you know, just like guilt is something that the enemy uses, we need to be careful when we're entering into this to not allow shame or guilt or anything like that to um, uh, take, take root or become a stronghold yeah. because it's, it's, it's not helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a hashtag that has been pretty prevalent for the last several years, um, Black Lives Matter. Um, Pastor Chris, I'll ask you specifically, why do you think the mantra Black Lives Matter is so inflammatory and hard for, um, for white people? Um, and, and then what do you, well, let me, let me just say, let me just, let, let me back, let me just say this. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll answer a different question. For Black Lives Matter, um, why do you feel like that is a helpful or necessary even proclamation in this in this moment? Yeah, I think, you know, the Black Lives Matter, especially that, that hashtag uh, started become pre it started becoming prevalent around the time that Trayvon Mur uh, Martin was murdered. Um, and immediately, you know, I feel like most people in the black community, we knew exactly what that meant the first time we saw it. Um, and it, and it, it right. simply, you know, if, if I was to use, you know, some of our, our terms that we use um, when we're breaking things down biblically, you know, it's a lament. It's right. an outcry. It's a cry out to God saying, like, don't ignore this dead body right here. Don't, right. don't step over it. Right. Don't, it, it, it matters. Why, why, is, why is it that we keep seeing so many of them and it doesn't seem like people care? So I, and I know that Black Lives Matter, I know it is also a movement as well. Um, and, you know, and there's people that are, that are part of it. But Ed is just at the, the inception of that, just that hashtag and what that means. 
Like every human, anybody that, that believes in the Imago Dei, if you believe that you are made in the image of God, and you see an image bearer, if you see several image bearers um, being um, gunned down, being mistreated, um, right. if you see injustice there, it has, it has to mean something. Right. And I think that's just what that was, that, that's where that came from. And I'll and I, and I, I flip yeah. that back on you. I just yeah. want to, because yeah. I mean, I think immediately, you know, for, for African-American people that are not in, um, in close proximity with, with white people that they are in good relationships with, you know, many of us were asking at that time, like, you know, what, what because there, there, there were sometimes some vitriol responses right. to people when they said, uh, black lives matter. Like people would immediately say all lives matter or they would say all kind of things. Blue lives matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the yeah. thing is like, you know, I, I guess I'll ask you that question. What, you yeah. know, and I know sometimes when we try to ask one person to speak for a whole race, that's not good. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. just, you know, from your own personal yeah. standpoint, you know, why, why do you believe, um, why do you think that mantra was so inflammatory um, to, to people when they heard black lives matter? Why do they have such a tough time when they heard that? Yeah, I, I can't speak for everyone, but from my experience, I think um, if you are a white person, you're used to being in charge, you're used to being noticed, you're used to being preferred, you're used to having things your way. You haven't had to walk through life trying to figure out how to navigate every situation. Just by default, you wake up in the morning with your whiteness, which is nothing wrong with that, but just means you're a part of the majority population in a culture. And any majority population has certain perks, benefits that come along with being um, white. And so I think some people hear Black Lives Matter and it's like, hold up, like, hold on, what, what about us? And we need to say that white lives have mattered in America for a few hundred years, all right? For a few hundred years. And black lives have not. Black lives have not mattered. It's essentially, we've, we've created a country where it's essentially I'm the home team and you're the away team. And this place really belongs to me wow. and it doesn't belong to you, which, which is wrong. And so there are some things about, like you said, the Black Lives Matter movement or the organization that we don't need to try to endorse as the people of God. There aren't, we don't necessarily have to put a Jesus stamp on everything that an organization does. But I think there's something very, very valuable for the people of God and the kingdom of God saying and speaking up in this moment that no, black lives do matter. And the reason why it's necessary to say that is because they haven't mattered for a few hundred years. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's good. So, um, let me ask a question for um, anybody, um, anybody at all. How, is, um, how would you say that the gospel right now is impacting your pain and your hope in this moment? Um, even thinking about um, how you even refuel and how you even stay in the fight and how you continue. So how are you doing? How are you doing and how, how's the gospel um, impacting you right now in your fight? I'll go? Okay. <laughs> um, I am thankful for the gospel. I don't, in fact, my family and my girlfriends are talking about all the time that I don't know how people are making it through this without Jesus. Um, because if you're not careful, you can sink into this pit of despair and anxiety and just even the waking up and thinking, how am I going to get through my day when I've seen, you know, 
police come into a home and shoot up people. We've got cases in Wilmington where mobs have come to um, Damien Shepard's home, and I'm thinking, like, so if I don't have something to anchor in, I don't know how I'm even going through my day. So for me, my joy comes through Christ. And so I'm just so, I'm thankful too that we at the bridge are going through a women's Bible study and we're looking at Philippians. And I'm just reminded that Paul just, he reminds us just to be rooted and just to be, just to be firm, right? In Christ so that when we can have times like this that we know where our joy comes because it certainly doesn't come from, from the earth, right? right. And so... Um, I guess I'll say, too, because we talked about this before, that um, how do I really get through? So I'm a, I'm a praiser, y'all. I'm a singer. And so for me, I am, I am constantly playing through songs. If you guys see me walking out in the neighborhood, I'm probably walking and raising my hands and worship because I've got to be able to refuel through my day. So when I'm hearing songs like, how awesome is our God? I'm hearing songs about like, I've seen him do it. Greater is coming. Better days. That for me right. is how I can recharge and keep going, right, in the midst of all of this. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Man, she took my answer, kind of. <laughs> like... I mean, there's just something about worship, right? You know, just being able to enter in and allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of just fill you. I mean, because you can sit here and you can sing those words and just remind your heart of God's promises. And that in and of itself refuels me. Um, being able to see um, people that I've had conversations with for years speaking out, you know, get, being able to see, you know, a hope deferred doesn't mean that he's not working, doesn't mean that the seeds I've not planted, that he hasn't been doing something in it, you know, that refuels me. Um, being able to have conversations and have relationships and to see the fruit of my own work and being able to be present with my friends when they're hurting, that refuels me. Um, being in my garden, you know, being with creation, things like that, that you have to be intentional with because... Um, this work is draining. It's hard to um, sit in something that can be so heavy. And, and you've got to take care of yourself. Um, you've got to be able to take that time with the Lord so that, that you can be in it for the long haul. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, I think a couple things um, uh, for myself. I think, you know, one, I mean, if, if I, I, I look back. And, um, you know, not only do, do we come from a long line of faith um, just through the scriptures, you know, I think just historically as an African-American um, in this country, um, there, there's just been a lot of people that's gone before us. Right. And, um, and they've been through, you know, I would consider far, far worse. Um, the fact that, you know, Dr. King was a Baptist preacher right. at 38 years old. Um, just fighting for something that, you know, we simply should have had, um, not, not something more, not anything other. Um, the fact that he was, that he was murdered at 38 and I'm, I'm 43 right now. So I just, it, I still think about that all the time. I think about like, man, like, 
You know, it's because the people that have gone before, um, and and when I think about their their faith, when I when I when I watch the way they they still hung their head high and um, and the way they praise God regardless, um, and how they just kept the faith, it just that gives me you know motivation to be like, you know, keep keep going forward. Um, so you know, looking back is one of the ways. Um, you know, also, uh, I think just the uh, just knowing that 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 Jesus is the Omega. Um, he's already he knows that we would be in 2020, and I don't know about y'all, but 2020, <laughs> it's time for you to go. You know, it's, it's, yeah. I'm you know, glad we started this year fasting. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, he, he knew we would be in 2020. And he, he knew that. Um, and, and just knowing, as, as we were saying, just acknowledging who God is in the midst of this, he hasn't changed. You know, he's still, he's still a, a good father. He's still a wonderful counselor. Uh, he's still the, the prince of peace. You know, he, he's, still, he's still our everything. And I, and I, and I, and I got to remind myself of that and not let what is happening confuse me, lie to me, you know, force me to, to become somebody that I'm not. You know, I know who I am in Christ. Um, so, you know, and, and going to sleep, <laughs> resting is, is really big and just refueling. And just, you know, God says he gives his righteous sleep. And I know for some people that's hard right now. Right. You know, something that simple. There's so much, you see so much, you hear so much, it's hard to close your eyes and just and rest. So, you know, just being able to rest right now. And, um, and there are moments, I won't, you know, I, there are moments when it's too much, you know. And when, and when we feel those moments, just like Dana was saying earlier, I think it's, it is wise to retreat. It is wise to, to, to pull back, spend some time alone with the Lord. Jesus did it. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes he went up on the mountain, yep. and he was just like, I need to be away from everybody, spend some time with my daddy, and I'll go back on the mission, right. you know. So, I, you know, so that's been some of the things. Yeah. All right, so last question. Um, how can we as a church uh, be a bridge? Like that name, by the way. <laughs> it's great. I might it's be great privy name. to it. It's a good name. It's a, gr- it's a great name. Whoever yeah. came up with that name, it's a great name. Hey, how can we be a bridge right now in this and offer hope to our city? Shannon, that's, that's, we threw that one up for you. I think we need to show up. You know, we need to continue to show up now. We need to show up two weeks from now when the news stories, um, maybe we're on to the next thing that's consuming our new cycle. Um, the mountain that we have ahead of us isn't gonna go away on its own. Yeah. I mean, we have the choice whether or not we're gonna climb it or if we're gonna try to go around it. And um, I pray for the church and for all my brothers and sisters to just engage it. We can do this, y'all. I mean, we can. We just gotta be present and we have to be intentional in how we're spending our time and how we're showing up and not losing heart when it gets hard. It's gonna get hard. Um, but that doesn't mean that this isn't what God has for us right now. And they, I mean, we have each other. Let's cling to each other as we do this work. 
I would say, and I'm going to piggyback off your word of being intentional. Um, I think that with the church and just with um, everybody is wanting to ask the questions of, you know, what do we do next? And I think that's where I think we can really step in and help because there's, when you're going through this change process, right, that then after the recognition, after the acknowledgement, and which we're thankfully now seeing, then we have to then have some actions and then have um, some processes and thoughts with that. And so, um, and not, I know that people want to go out and just change the world in one day, but I, I think that, you know, we can um, start with just some, some small, meaningful things. And so I think that's where you can dialogue and have conversations um, with one another so that we can then um, start to make, have the change happen, right? And just not have um, just the thoughts behind it. Yeah, and I mean, just practically, uh, you know, I, the Bible even tells us, let every man examine himself, you know. Um, I, and I think it's just a good time right now um, to just examine. Like, where, you know, I, I tell people to do something real simple. You know, a lot of times if I'm having this conversation with somebody for the first time and, and they're really, you know, they're really, their heart is now leaning towards, hey, I realize that, you know, I'm realizing how racialized our society is right now. You know, I know Will Smith said, you know, um, it's not that uh, racism has gotten worse. It's just getting filmed. Right, right. That's one of the things he said. And I know right. for some people, that's very eye-opening. And, 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 I've, I've, and I'm having conversations even with people here at our church that are like, you know, man, I want to do something. I want to do something. And it's very important, you know, first that, you know, they, you know what you're getting into, right? Um, so, I mean, there simple things you can do is, you know, one, like, when you read a book, that's hours of your time that you spend listening to somebody say something. Right. And a lot of people's bookshelves don't reflect, you know, uh, the diversity that they probably need in their life. Um, a lot of the, um, you know, sermons that people listen to, um, a, a lot of... Uh, um, even if you just look at your text messages right now, you know, in your phone, I encourage you to do that. Like, look at the people that you texted. Look at the people, look at, you know, who, who do you have access to, you know, be an active listener right now and, and get to know some people um, here, you know, in, in, in our city and in our community right now. So I think that, you know, there, there are several ways, podcasts that, that you listen to, you know, you need to actively seek those things out. Um, and where you can just begin to, to learn right. and educate yourself on, like, what it is that, that I'm really dealing with here. Yeah. So. And I just want to say, too, like, the, the end goal for us is not a multi-ethnic worship gathering, you know, so that we can all show up on, you know, well, we're not showing up right now, but so that we can all <laughs> be a part of a church, you know, and we can sing together and everybody can, we can have a lot of color, right? Yeah. That's the, the point, the end game is not multi-ethnic gatherings or events. The end game is a multi-ethnic lifestyle. Yeah. It's like living this yeah. out and loving people and knowing people, knowing their name, knowing their kids' names, knowing, knowing, knowing what's in their medicine cabinet. I mean, like, like getting to know people um, at, a, at, a, at a deep level. And that's what, that's what we're going for is meaningful, deep relationship in that way. Yeah. 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 Kingdom building, you guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. we just... Yeah. 
listening to people of color. If you're not following them, I know you had said like podcasts and yeah. who are who are you listening to who's on your book bookshelf like what's your Facebook feed or your what's, Instagram feed? What's on feed? your Facebook right. feed or your Instagram right. feed? There's a lot of people of color who are willing to be educating people. You need to be listening yeah. and sit with it. Yeah. You know, like don't, I mean, and if some, if you start to kind of react a certain way, like ask the Lord, why do I feel that way? Yeah. And, and, and just, um, allow him to work on your heart. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of internal work that needs to happen and it's a process. And I just really encourage people to come underneath the leadership of people of color yeah. that, that are speaking into this right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I want to end in this way. Um, uh, this morning, I actually wrote a poem, um, shared it with uh, Pastor Chris and Hillary, and I wasn't planning to share this, but just felt like it would be really fitting kind of as we, as we end our, um, our discussion, our conversation. But this is, this is how it goes. It's titled, If Not You, Then Who? If Not You, Then Who? It says this, black bodies in the street, yep, he took a knee. I can't breathe. If not you, then who? You don't matter. This is our country. You don't belong here. If not you, then who? The divine image made in his likeness, looking down a barrel. If not you, then who? Slavery is over. Stop living in the past. You only make it worse. If not you, then who? This air in your lungs, this water on your tongue, tells us whiteness is supreme. If not you, then who? All lives matter. Not according to history, just ones that look like me. If not you, then who? Silence is your violence. Distraction is your action. What are you doing? If not you, then who? There's a kingdom in the air. Its king is on the move. Time to stop the games. If not you, then who? Time to take our stand. Let's build that coming land. We just need a few. If not you, then who? If not you, then who? All right. Hey, can we put our hands together and thank these people for joining us tonight? And thank you. Love each of you. Thank you for joining us. Pastor Chris, would you, would you pray and close this time as we continue to worship? Yes, yes. Um, Jesus, we, we thank you for our family. In John 17, um, Lord, uh, we know that you were thinking about us, even in your prayers, long ago. Yes. Lord, you cared about our unity. And that's why we do this, Jesus. That's why we, we have these sometimes hard conversations. Um, because ultimately, Lord, we want to be united in you. We want to bring glory to your name. Jesus, that was your prayer. Help us be the answer to your prayer. The prayer you prayed to your Father. Lord, let them be one as me and you are one. So Lord, I just come against the division of racism that has been here since the inception of this country, Lord, and we're still fighting it very hard now, but what better to fight it than your blood, than the message of the gospel thank you God thank you Jesus you knew this when you died on Calvary you knew what we would face but this is not too hard for you Lord 
nothing is too hard for you. So God, we just pray, Lord, um, that we love one another the way you loved us, that the world may see you and proclaim Jesus is real. Jesus exists in those people. Lord, let us be a reflection. Let us be salt and light before you. God, we give you all the honor and all the glory. It's in your mighty name we pray. Move, Lord. Amen.